Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to For Real, a bi-weekly nonfiction books podcast that puts the spotlight on books that tell it like it is, or at least try to. We'll cover new releases, backlist finds, and more. For Real is a Book Riot podcast and is hosted by me, Kim Ukra, and fellow rioter Alice Burton. We're recording this podcast on Thursday, June 7th. Uh, hello, Alice. How are you? I am still a little tired from Book Expo last week, uh, which is going to be a big theme of this. Not me being tired is not going to be a theme, but Book Expo. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but other than that, doing pretty well. How about you? Yes. Book Expo is exhausting. Yeah, I had to. Um, then, I had to make sure. I know we went around last year, which is of course how we ended up becoming podcast co-hosts. Uh, mm-hmm. But and I don't know if you remember, but my feet hurt like a lot because I wore terrible shoes, uh, and I kept being mm-hmm. like, "Let's sit down, and I will resort the books in my bag, <laughs> and I will rest my feet." And this year, I wore slightly better shoes, so I was really excited about that. I learned. Well. Good job. That's very, that's very good. That's very good. Um, Before we jump into the episode, do you have any follow up from previous episodes to share? Yeah, I, um, so I was reading Bombay Anna by Susan Morgan, which was the biography of Anna Leon Owens, the woman the King and I is based on. Um, And I finished that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I stick with my whole thing about how the biographer Susan Morgan doesn't really say, she says like one negative thing about Anna Leon Owens the entire time. But (laughs) I still think that it's like, she tries really hard to like make it as balanced as possible in other ways and gives you like a really interesting like background on this figure who has become this unfortunately very anglicized person who was not in fact that way um and who was like very open minded and and a uh, a fascinating like social rights fighter who ended up moving to Canada like it's there's a lot that happened there huh yeah what about you yeah cool well, so there are two books I previously mentioned that I have read and finished and I had good, uh, I enjoyed reading. So the first one was Dear Madam President by Jennifer Palmari, which is this really slim little book written by uh, the former director of communications for the Hillary Clinton campaign. Um, and she had previously worked for President Obama in his administration for a long time. Oh, yeah. um, and so it's a book, um, a, yeah, it's a uh, written as a letter to the woman who is going to be the first woman president. And it's kind of filled with lessons that she learned on the campaign and in her time working in politics. Um, And there's some personal stuff to it about her personal life as the election was happening. Um, Her sister was very ill. And so um, that was happening at the same time that this very just like crazy and intense election was happening. Um, But the book isn't as much about that. It's much more just talking about women and um, leadership and, um, that kind of stuff. And I thought it was really, that was really smart. Um, and she's very, the interesting thing to me was kind of a discussion about how Hillary Clinton running her, their strategy was to show that she could do everything just like a man would do it. Uh, and that Palmieri and our Palmieri in retrospect believes that that was a mistake and that by not allowing her to act as a woman and sort of, lean into that part of her 
her identity, not just in like the way she was speaking, but the way in she, she, she was acting and performing um, in the debates and stuff was a uh, hamstrung them a bit. And so that was really interesting to think about and, and that. So yeah, so Dear Madam President by Jennifer Palmari, slim little book. I read it in one sitting. Um, it was really, it was really good. Um, Jeez, you know, that kind of, sorry, I was just thinking like, because I feel like right, she's saying we shouldn't have done this. And it's like, you know what? <laughs> you shouldn't have. But also it shouldn't be like this shouldn't have been an issue in the first place. And the fact that, you know, they felt like they had to posit Hillary Clinton as like this person who could do everything that a man could do in the way that a man could do it. Um, that sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, it just flat out sucks. So, uh, oh, that's kind of, that's a bummer. What's the other, what's the other book? Uh, uh, yeah. The other one was um, Locking Up Our Own by James Foreman Jr., uh, which in last episode I referred to as Locking Up Your Own, which is not the title. The title is Locking Up Our Own by James Foreman Jr. Uh, and it is about um, the mass incarceration epidemic epidemics, not the word, but um, the increase of incarcerations among black African-American people and the way that the 1970s and 80s war on crime um, contributed to our current dilemma, um, particularly among black leaders in uh, politics and government and policing um, and how there were a lot of different opinions and ideas about how to solve some of these problems uh, among black leaders at that time. Uh, many of whom certainly would not have thought that their decisions to try and protect their communities and try to get rid of guns and get rid of drugs and um, put people who they believe to be real threats to their kids and their communities in jail would lead to um, an era in which uh, black men are incarcerated at rates far beyond anyone else. Um, And it was very interesting. Oh, I remember you talking about that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because we were... I remember being interested because it was like, you know, explaining how we got to this point. Do you feel like the majority of it was kind of talking about like basically, yeah, that whole like history of like what led us to our current huge problem with our prison system? Or was it like other things too in the book? Um, it was a his- a lot of it was history. So there were chapters kind of on. Um, there was one chapter on the legalization debate, legalizing marijuana in Washington, D.C. in the 1970s, which I had no idea that was even a thing. I thought legalizing marijuana was like a very new kind of idea, but you know, people were thinking about it back then. Yeah. And so it was about that debate. It was about the two different sides of it and the people who thought that legalizing marijuana was going to be bad for their community. Um, and ultimately, those people won and marijuana was not legalized. And so then he goes into a later chapter showing how marijuana being illegal and still being something that could be criminal rather than like fined through civil tickets or something um, has led to a lot of incarcerations because people um, who are stopped for other reasons, um, not particularly good ones, um, if they have small amounts of marijuana, they can be charged as criminals because we didn't make a decision earlier to decriminalize. And so he looks at kind of the history and some of the historical decisions and what was happening and then how they... um, kind of have, have played out today in the context of a lot of racism and a lot of unequal decisions and stuff like that. So did that answer your question, I think? Um, it did. And reminded me, obviously, of the, uh, I think, yesterday, uh, Alice Marie Johnson's uh, commuting of her sentence, um, where she was sentenced to life imprisonment for a nonviolent drug offense. And you're just like, uh, what? Like, she served 20 years of mm-hmm. that sentence before she was. And it's, I mean, I get that it's sure like drugs are bad. Yeah, get get that right out there. But life imprisonment, 
Mm-hmm. Like that is insane. Yeah, yeah. Um. So you know, no, that book sounds super good. Could you say the title one more time? Yes, the title is "Locking Up Our Own" by James Foreman Jr. Um, and yeah, it was really great. Yeah, I want to read that. Yeah, it was good. Awesome. All right. So uh, we're going to jump into uh, our first sponsor, which is a good one. It is a, a Book Riot sponsor. Um, uh, this episode is brought to you by Book Riot's own annotated podcast. Uh, annotated is an audio documentary podcast series about books, language, and reading. Episodes range from 15 to 25 minutes and cover a range of bookish topics. Um, one that I really loved in the past was um, about how J.P. Morgan's personal librarian became uh, like the most glamorous librarian in the world, um, even as she was like guarding these super secrets, super dangerous secrets. Um, they've done one about the story of how 1984 came to be written and how the CIA was involved with that. Um, and another one that I also really loved that was about why we care so much about the Oxford comma. Uh, I am a Oxford comma team person, so don't argue with me about that at all. Uh, so if you like <laughs> if you like podcasts like This American Life, Planet Money, or 99% Invisible, um, we think that you would love Annotated. Uh, and that's not just because uh, we like it and are part of Book Riot. It is, it is really great. Um, and so uh, you can get Annotated for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you uh, subscribe to your podcasts. So yay, Annotated. It is, it is really good. It's really good. All right. And with that, we will jump into our kind of first regular segment, which uh, most weeks is, I think every week actually has been new books. Um, And I'm going to go first. And the first book I would like to mention is one called What Would the Great Economists Do? How 12 Brilliant Minds Would Solve Today's Biggest Problems by Linda Yu. And that one comes out June 5th from Picador. uh, So it'll be out by the time you hear this. Um, And so Linda Yu is a British-American economist, and she's a broadcaster and an author. Um, She was born in Taiwan, and she has British and American citizenships and right now works at London Business School. Um, And this book, What Would the Great Economists Do?, is kind of a thought experiment about how great historical economists would think about problems in the world today. So uh, every chapter outlines kind of an economic issue like trade or wage stagnation or um, deficits, that kind of a thing, and then um, offers a biography of a historical great economist, somebody whose theory we often think about or credit, uh, explains, so it gives a biography, it explains their theory, and then it applies that theory to the issue that the chapter started in. Um, So for example, the first chapter is about Adam Smith and the invisible hand, and then looking at... um, how industrial versus service economies work and what a push to move back towards a more industrial economy, which is traditionally, as I, if I understood the chapter correctly, uh, economies typically go from like industrial into service as they advance. And so what the push to kind of revert to an industrial economy might mean for countries like the United States and Great Britain that have moved into the, like the service economy model, um, so yeah, so it's, it's really interesting. It is um, more serious than a lot of the nonfiction I usually read. Uh, it's not like it's not a textbook, but it's certainly like is somewhere between narrative nonfiction and textbook. Um, I don't know like where on a scale I might put it, but uh, it's certainly more dense, I guess, than what I typically pick up. But um, I always want to understand economics better. And so that has been interesting. I've been trying to read a chapter every couple of days just to kind of give myself some space, but also get into it. Um, And I think I'm appreciating the approach of kind of explaining a theory, but then applying it to something that I kind of understand about the world today. So I'm understanding something about the world, but then also about economics kind of more generally. Um, 
And also just, it has some really nerdy jokes. Um, like you can, I don't know. I like, I, I like academics when they tell jokes in books because you can tell like it's not comfortable for them to do it, but they're like doing it anyway. And you can, it feels, feels like they're nudging you a little bit <laughs> when they do the joke. Um, and I really, <laughs> I find that very amusing. So um, she's, she's funny that way too, in kind of a weird nerd way, which I really like. So um, yeah, kind of a more serious recommendation, uh, more um, not serious, but anyway, uh, different than what I might normally recommend, but still good. Uh, what would the great economists do by Linda Yu? Well, hmm. you know, when I, when I think about the economy, I, can't. <laughs> I, I feel real dumb. Uh, I yeah. don't understand any of it. Now, you said that it's been between narrative and, and textbook. If, say, a person of, uh, in terms of economic understanding is, say, an idiot, would they <laughs> have a very hard time with this book? No, I think she does a good job of explaining things in a pretty clear way. Um, the reason it kind of reads textbooky-ish to me, like on that spectrum, is there's a lot of statistics and a lot of terms, um, and she explains them really well. And so I haven't had a hard time understanding it. I just have to read it a lot more slowly than I would a narrative book, um, and just kind of oh sure let it let it sit a little bit more. So I don't think it's too hard to understand at all. I just think it's something you have to approach a little bit more carefully. Interesting. Also, when you were talking about dorky academics, um, I remembered that in my geology 101 class, which was also called Rocks for Jocks, Mm -hmm. um, our professor, yeah, our professor would bring far side like cartoons on transparencies because that's when I went to college (laughs) and uh, would Put them on the like on the transparency and then read them aloud to the class. Like that <laughs> that was how dorky my geology professor was. Um he was a lovely man. Uh, who once did a dinosaur imitation for the class. Anyway, it was a little off. Fun, fun class. Um anyway, so my first pick for this week uh is I actually really I know we talked about we have a lot of books to to talk about this episode so we talked about whether or not to do new books and I really wanted to because um I'm really excited about my two picks for um new releases. So my first one is The Secret Token Myth Obsession and the Search for the Lost Colony of Roanoke by Andrew Lawler. Uh, it's out June 5th from Doubleday which means it is out uh when you hear this and you should order it immediately. Um I have not finished it. I was reading it um, on the way to Book Expo, and I was just like, I, I sought, I couldn't find anyone from Doubleday at Book Expo, but I was legit looking for them. Like, I went to their parent company, and I was like, is anyone here? I need to talk to them about this book. Um, it's so cool. So, uh, in case you don't know, right, uh, in um, 1587, <laughs> I didn't know the exact year, uh, 115 men, women, and children arrived at Roanoke Island. Um, and they were chartered by Queen Elizabeth I, and they were trying to establish England's like first sort of colony in the New World. Um, they ran out of supplies, so the head of the colony went to England to get more supplies. He was there for three years. He got stuck there um, for various reasons I won't go into. He comes back, and everyone is gone, right? Mm. That's the whole mystery thing. He comes back. He sees – he manages to get on the island. He sees um, a word, like a mysterious word carved into a tree, um, which I think is something like Croatoa or Krakatoa. I think it's Croatoa. Anyway, um, so what the book says 
in fact, is that he knew what this meant. And it was like a sign that they were going to, if anything went like wrong, they were basically going to go to this like friendly local American Indian tribe who are, I think were the, the Croato or whatever. So, but because of a lot of mishaps, like a lot of mishaps with the boat, he never got to explore that and go and find them. And so we had to leave um, his daughter and his granddaughter who had been among the people. Um, and he never got to go back. So Ooh. there's been this whole like mystery built around it and it kind of built and built into this myth. And the way Andrew Lawler talks about it, first of all, he gives you such an interesting um, setting, like context for what was going on in, in Europe at the time. I have only paid attention to English history and he basically makes it seem like England is this piddling little insignificant country <laughs> right next to like Spain which I'm sure is true. But if you're reading from English history's perspective, then it's like England was the best forever. And it instead it's like Philip II of Spain was like, a, you don't even matter. And was just doing his own thing and taking over all of Europe. And um, he he lays that out for you. And it was really interesting to get this other other perspective and talk about why England was, you know, trying to set up a colony in the New World and like, you know, get its own thing going on there, even though it was like this little backwater nation. And um and then sort of talking about why Roanoke has stayed in the public consciousness and like all of this stuff. Anyway, sorry, I'm going on too long. It's really good. And I haven't even read like that much of it, but I was immediately like, oh, he's getting into myth and what America is and like all of this stuff. So, um, and he's a journalist and he like goes and he talks to all these people and I love it when people do that. So um, again, it's the secret token, myth obsession and the search for the lost colony of Roanoke by Andrew Lawler. Awesome. That sounds really good. Uh, so my next pick is a kind of contemporary book that's out June 5th from Harper, and it's called First in Line by Kate Anderson Brower. Um, Kate Anderson Brower is a Washington journalist who has written, this will be her third book, written on something that is connected to the presidency. So her first one was called The Residence Inside the Private World of the White House, which was a look at the White House staff and everybody who um, keeps that house running and operating, um, and also some like peaks at the first families and different ways that they interacted with the staff. Um, and her second book was uh, First Women, The Grace and Power of America's Modern First Ladies, um, which I have not read, but I'm really kind of excited about because I think that's an interesting thing to look at. Um, and so this book, First in Line, is about the vice presidents of the modern era. So uh, according to the book jacket, that's Richard Nixon to Mike Pence. Um, and it looks at a lot of the feelings of admiration mixed with jealousy and resentment that vice presidents often have with their uh, presidential boss. Um, and it's... Uh, in the first book, I remember I read The Residence. Um, I remember she just did a ton of interviews and you could just tell that she had talked to like every person you would want to talk to to really understand that. Um, and so the uh, copy for this one says that she interviewed more than 200 people, uh, including every former vice president and people close to Mike Pence. So uh, it does not sound like she she did not interview Mike Pence, but otherwise every living uh, former vice president and all of that. Um, and I just think that uh, Kate Ernst Brower has had in the book I read just a really um, keen eye for detail and storytelling um, without ever getting too gossipy, um, particularly with the residents, right? Like it would have been easy to do a book that was White House staff gossiping about the people uh, of the White House, but it really wasn't that way. It's very um, measured and interesting. So I think her take on the vice presidents huh. will be, will be kind of cool. Um, and actually, I didn't know this one was coming out until like I saw it come out on pub day Tuesday. So um, I don't, I don't know why, because I like her and I've read her books before, but I totally almost missed my radar, but it didn't. Uh, so that makes me happy. Um, the book is called First in Line by Kate Anderson Brower. 
That's awesome. And that obviously reminds me of the show Veep, which also mm-hmm. makes me happy. So uh, that's fantastic. Yes. Uh, let's see. Should have interviewed Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Um, <laughs> so my second pick that I'm excited about is uh, Woman at the Devil's Door, the untold true story of the Hampstead Murderess by Sarah Beth Hopton. And that's uh, already out from Indiana University Press. Um, So this is basically the uh, haunting untold true story of the woman whose crimes inspired speculation that Jack the Ripper was a woman. Um, And the whole thing behind that basically is that the what is the story it's 1890 and they find this woman in the street dead um her head has been like i'm so sorry for this but her head has been almost severed from her body um there is also a dead child in this story um they don't get i know they don't get too into it but basically this 24 year old woman um ends up getting arrested for the murder of both of them and she had been like presume like a well they say like i I think it's pretty legit that it happened i was gonna say um allegedly but yeah i think she was she was having an affair with the woman's husband and um also had like this history of epileptic seizures and there was this thing where like they went to her house and they were in the kitchen and they were like wow there is a lot of blood in the kitchen and she was like oh there were like a hundred mice here i was just (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was ridiculous. Um, but the book is it's really interesting. It's it's pretty short. Um, they obviously like did a lot of, you know, sort of like research and and really give you a, a pretty good visual into what was happening at the time and um, you know, talking about the trial and and all this stuff. Um, but obviously the reason that this woman was thought to be, you know, like maybe like Jack the Ripper was a woman is that this crime was so gruesome and people at the time I think were still of the mentality that, you know, women couldn't do that kind of thing. So um it's it was it's right. That's probably why Lizzie Borden got off. We're assuming <laughs> is that people were like, no, <laughs> women couldn't do a thing like this. Um, so so yeah, eighteen ninety. Um, but yeah, so it's really good. Uh, I totally recommend it. Any universe university press has a lot of good like true crime stuff. Um, so this is just one in their their sort of like series. Uh, and again, it's Woman at the Devil's Door: The Untold True Story of the Hampstead Murderess by Sarah Beth Hopton. Excellent. I'm glad you recommended that because I feel like it wouldn't be an episode of our podcast if we didn't have one weird true crime serial killer book mentioned somewhere. So uh, we have met our quota for this week. There are so many of them. Um, Yeah, no, we've got to we've got to keep that going. Uh, I think that's then our Mm -hmm. other sponsor. Yeah. Time for other sponsor. Great. Uh, This episode is brought to you by, again, Book Riot's own recommended a podcast where we talk to interesting people about the books they love uh each 20 minute episode so it's you know you've got time walking to work or something just get that right done uh features two interviews with guests from the book world each discussing an all-time favorite book whether it's a best-selling author an editor from behind the scenes or an industry insider they've all got a book to recommend so season one is available in full season two is airing right now uh Past guests include National Book Foundation Executive Director Lisa Lucas, Salam Reads Editor Zareen Jaffrey, and authors including Attica Locke, Lee Bardugo, Jasmine Ward. I think Jasmine Ward is featured on our thing because it's nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alexander Chi, James McBride, Joe Hill, Tessa Dare, and many more. Uh, find out what books have shaped the lives and careers of some of your favorite authors. You can subscribe to Recommended on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. So thank you, Recommended, for sponsoring us. Excellent. 
All right. So this week we're going to switch the format up, I guess, a little bit. And instead of doing a weekly theme and then a kind of segment three, we're going to combine those together into one long discussion about uh, Book Expo America and some of the books that caught our attention from that big book publishing festival thing. So uh, Alice, do you want to give a quick recap of like what Book, book Expo actually is for the people who don't know? Well, for it's like different for everyone. Mm -hmm. And from the, I, you know, we've always gone as, um, I think you've always gone too, as, as in this capacity as press, right? So we Mm -hmm. go to cover it and talk about it like we are right now. Um, and to just like see what people are up to. A lot of people do it to, you know, just really see like what books are coming out and do I want to pick those up for my library or my bookstore or like, you know, like all this stuff. So it's basically just a giant convention to look at upcoming books, most of them coming out in September and October. And those are the ones we're going to be highlighting um, in just a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Again, that's Kim and I, like, I think we first met too at Book Expo was, but like a couple years ago, Mm -hmm. like not the last one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's kind of for me, I see it always as like it's fun to like pick up a lot of books. They're always, you know, they're giving away all of these galleys so that you can uh, sort of get a, a good idea of what you're interested in um, for the fall. And then you also get to I see it as kind of like like summer camp, but like two days long <laughs> and <laughs> just a bunch of my book nerd friends. Um, so I always really look forward to it because there are certain people that I usually only see um, once a year at Book Expo. So um, yeah, it's great. really like it. Yeah, I always think it's really interesting meeting other people who are there who aren't there as like press or bloggers, um, like librarians and booksellers and all kinds of that side of uh, the book world also come, um, which is just super fun. Like you can stand in line and just have chats with people from completely different states and completely different jobs. And you're excited because you're standing in line to meet an author and get a book signed um, and learn more about what's going on. So it's just a good like book nerd fun kind of thing. And then they've added in the last few years something called BookCon, which is a more um, book expo is more industry facing and BookCon is more public facing. And so they have a lot of authors and panels as more of a like Comic-Con, but for books. Um, and I have actually never gone to the BookCon part of it just because I usually have to fly home before then. But um, that's another part. So if you are you know, a person who's listening, who is interested in kind of coming and seeing what that is about, BookCon is um, a good, like fun thing to participate in. Although like for nonfiction people, I, I, I can't think of off the top of my head, somebody who showed up at BookCon who was talking about a nonfiction book. Like it's a lot of like young adult and popular fiction writers, which is like nothing wrong with that, but it's just a different kind of focus, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Um, oh, I wanted to say I did, you were talking about meeting interesting people. I did meet the romance librarian from the Philadelphia Free Library uh, while waiting in line for uh, Check Please, the comic. Anyway, mm-hmm. so for that. And then I also met this lovely Southern woman who was carrying her dog, who was a papillon, around in like a little rolly bag. And it was so cute. <laughs> um, I didn't know dogs were allowed, but it was in the bag. So it was probably fine. Um, anyway. Oh, yeah. So we wanted to highlight titles and uh, we have those kind of split. Uh, did you want to talk about that? Sure. Um, so I w- did not go to Book Expo this year, but one of the things I always pay attention to coming out of Book Expo is something called the BEA Editors Buzz Panel. Uh, and so every year, um, I don't know how the panel is picked, but there's a panel put together of uh, book editors who each get up and talk about one book that they are excited about for 
the fall usually. Um, and these books are vetted by a panel connected to Book Expo. Um, and so they're kind of suggested as like the hottest titles coming up of the fall. Um, and I always pay attention to it because usually as kind of just generally in my memory, there's a couple that are nonfiction, but usually it's mostly fiction. Uh, and this year, four of the six Editor's Buzz titles were nonfiction, which I was really excited about. So um, as we're going to kind of go in and trade new books, um, Alice is going to talk kind of about generally books she saw and picked up that she's excited about. And then I'm going to pop in and talk about the four Editor's Buzz books, which are other ones that I think you'll see a lot of You'll probably hear a lot more about them once the fall comes because usually these are books that get pretty significant marketing budgets because um, they're pe- ones that editors are betting that people are going to be really into. So um, you've got more books. So why don't you go first? Yeah. So um, I do have a number and I'm going to try to do some like quick recaps. Um, again, these almost all of these come out September, October, but you can pre-order them now. So and if you do that and if you I think if you pre-order, you pay for it now, right? And so then it's like a fun gift for yourself later in the year, mm-hmm. unless I'm wrong about how that works. Anyway, um, so the first one um, is from Johns Hopkins Press. What I love about Book Expo is that they tend to group uh, types of things, right? So all, you know, you remember this, all the university presses are kind yeah. of in the same little like nerdy area. So um, I was just like going down and getting awesome book after awesome book because it's all nonfiction. Um because again, nerd presses. Anyway, so the first one is The Impatient Doctor. I think it's Lang. It could be Langa. It's L-A-N-G-E by Seema Yasmin. Um, and the subheading of that is One Man's Fight to End the Global HIV Epidemic. Um, they were, the at Johns Hopkins Press, they were really passionate about this book. It comes out in July. It's the early, I think it's the only one that comes out before September. Um, and it's basically when Malaysia Airlines flight MH17 was shot down in 2014. Um, basically this, this, doctor, uh, Joseph Lange, um, he was this Dutch doctor who had revolutionized the world of HIV and AIDS. So he brought all of this attention and all of this focus and research to um, fighting HIV. And so it's talking about his work that he did and how that's become very stalled um, since his death in 2014 and all the stuff I didn't know about. Um, so I'm actually really excited about it. Uh, so again, that's The Impatient Dr. Lange uh, by Seema Yasmin from Johns Hopkins. And then the next one is uh, because we're. I think we're going to do two, yeah. and then you're going to talk about some. Uh, is call them by their true names. American crises and essays by Rebecca Solnit. Yay. Who doesn't love Rebecca Solnit? She she's coming out in September from Haymarket Books. I started reading it on the train on the way back from Book Expo, and I was like, "This is amazing!" And then I brought it home, and I was reading it aloud to my girlfriend, and I was like, "Look at this! This is such a brilliant point. She's so smart and such a great writer." Like this was just my general monologue to my girlfriend. Um, Rebecca Solnit's great. Uh, all of her books should be read. I'm so happy that she has a new one coming out. Um, so again, that's "Call Them by Their True Names" by Rebecca Solnit. What is the angle of that one? Is it just kind of essays again, or does she have a particular like focus of it? Um, it's essays. She in the foreword, she talks about politics and the American language, which is uh, the thing uh, I was reading to Michelle, and she's basically saying how um, you know what we call things matters, mm-hmm. and so calling you know like torture enhanced interrogation is one of the things that she cites, and uh, how basically the importance of the truth, sure, and um, you know like what is that, and like what uh, what are pe- things true names, but also she talks about like fairy tales, and you know talking about Rumpelstiltskin, like she's brilliant. Um, yeah. but it's, yeah, it's, it's great. Cool. 
All right. So the first Editor's Buzz book that I'm going to mention or talk about is called Small Animals, Parenthood in the Age of Fear by Kim Brooks. And this one is out uh, August 21st from Flatiron Books. Um, And this book started uh, as an essay, I think, in Salon. And it starts with um, a story about how Brooks was running into a store uh, on a cold, cloudy, overcast day. And she left her four-year-old son in a car. Um, and a, a bystander filmed her doing that, called the police. And then uh, Brooks was arrested and charged with contributing to the delinquency of a minor um, for leaving her kid uh, in a car while she ran into a store. So um, she uses that story and kind of her case through the, or the, the path through the legal system for that case to kind of write more generally about um, anxiety and fear and competitiveness and judgment and, and in parenthood and how those things kind of go together um, and then kind of explores uh, some other styles and methods of parenting and so kind of tries to make an argument about uh, that a culture of fear is leading to kids who can't be independent or autonomous. Um, so I, I feel like this one has the potential to be kind of controversial. Like I imagine mom blogs and stuff will have a lot of things to say about it. Um, but uh, it's also the Salon essay. Um, I'll try to remember to link to it in the show notes. It's really good. I read it um, a couple of days ago. So I think it'll be an, an interesting read. Uh, so that's Small Animals, Parenthood in the Age of Fear by Kim Brooks. Gosh, that, uh, yeah, that sounds good. Um, my next two are, uh, they're both like pretty political, I guess. Um, The first is American Prisons, a reporter's undercover journey uh, into the business of punishment by Shane Bauer. Um, And that's coming out from Penguin Press. Um, So this is basically, uh, this guy was, uh, in 2014, Shane Bauer, he was hired for $9 an hour to work as an entry-level prison guard at this private prison in um, Louisiana. So he's uh, an award-winning investigative journalist. Um, He used his real name, but there was like no real kind of like background check. <laughs> so uh, he just, they, they were like, oh yeah, sure. Um, so he writes about his time there and, and um, you know, about how, basically how terrible the private prison system is, which I feel like is being talked about more and more, right? Like people mm-hmm. are like, uh, this is a bad idea. Um, so this is, uh, this looks really good. I'm looking forward to um, checking that out. It's on sale September 18th, but again, you can pre-order it. Um, and the other one, is a follow-up uh, by Carol Anderson. She wrote White Rage, um, oh. which you probably saw at your local bookstore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called One Person, No Vote, How Voter Suppression is Destroying Our Democracy. Um, and yeah, I know. I know. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it sounds real awesome. So um, that's coming out from Bloomsbury also in September. Um, it's it's going to be a difficult read, but, um, I am, uh, I am again looking forward to it because, uh, white rage. Yeah. She's, um, she's real good. Yeah. Cool. Um, talking about America's prisons, that reminded me of, um, I don't remember what year it's from, but New Jack by Ted Conover. And he did basically the same thing. Uh, he went undercover in, as a prison guard at, in Sing Sing, I think. Um, but he like, had to go more undercover about it, it sounds like. And yeah, then he just wrote about his job being a prison guard. Um, but it was a, not a privately owned prison. And it was at least a decade ago, I think probably more, because um, that's one of the kind of classics of narrative nonfiction. Um, so yeah, that one sounds, American, American Prison sounds really interesting, kind of in comparison to, to that book, maybe as a comparison over time or something like that. Um, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. So my next book is one that you mentioned you're excited about too. So you can jump in if you have additional things to say. And it's called The Real Lolita, The Kidnapping of Sally Horner and the Novel That Scandalized the World by Sarah Weinman. Um, and so this is on it's out in September from uh, Echo. And this is a book that is kind of a literary detective novel looking at the real life uh, true crime case that inspired Nabokov's Lolita. And that case was the 1948 abduction of a, an 11 year old girl named Sally Horner. Uh, And so in the book, Wyman looks at the investigation. She looks at legal documents, records, interviews to try and understand um, how much Nabokov actually knew about the case and then what he did, if anything, to disguise that knowledge as he was writing Lolita and putting this out in the world. Um, And one review I saw when I was doing a little research said that this would be good for fans of All Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara, which we have both loved. Um, So I think that's a pretty good, solid read-alike recommendation for for this one. Uh, so it's called The Real Lolita, Real Lolita by Sarah Weinman. Yeah, I don't really uh, have anything to add except that the cover is really great. Mm, it is, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I saw, the, I saw that I'll Be Gone in the Dark comparison and um, got psyched about it. It looks... Uh, I mean, I read Lolita and that's a hard book mm-hmm. um, that I know that I don't, I don't fully understand it. I took a whole class on Nabokov and I'm just like, oh, uh, but um, I do acknowledge that uh, he is a beautiful writer. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> All right, you're up. Oh, oh, sorry. I <laughs> counted incorrectly. Um, <laughs> everything is fine. Okay, my uh, next two are Black Flags, Blue Waters, um, the epic history of America's most notorious pirates by Ooh. Eric J. Dolan. Right. I feel like it's always time for a pirate book. Like we should always just have a steady stream. Ha, get it. Um, of those coming out. So I'm so sorry. I was gonna I didn't I'm not good at puns, and then it was just coming out, and I got so I was so proud of myself. Um anyway, okay. Uh so it's out again in September 2018 from Live Right. Uh I think it looks real good. I started reading it, it's really readable. Um, I remember reading Under the Black Flag like 10 years ago, which is another you know, sort of like pirate overview um, that talks about some some of the pirates that were in America because didn't a lot of them, they were off like North or South Carolina or something because it was a, a lot of coastline there. Um, but I remember it being extraordinarily disillusioning because they talked about how pirates do – like there was like one recorded instance of like a, like a plank walking. And um, I got really bummed out about that. <laughs> I was like, don't tell me they didn't have people walk the plank. Jeez, book. Um, but this looks good because it's really focused on individuals and, you know, kind of like giving you their histories. Um, and again, the cover is real fun. So psyched about that. And let's see. Oh, the- everybody likes to read about pirates. Yeah, good one. Absolutely. Um, and the other one. Okay. I have to give this book immense love. I spent like 10 minutes talking to the booth person on um, their marketing director at South Just South Dakota Historical Press. Um, because I was so excited about it. Um, it is Born Criminal, Matilda Jocelyn Gage, Radical Suffragist by Angelica Shirley Carpenter. Um, again, by South Dakota Historical Society Press. They First of all, they are delightful, lovely people. Um, so let's just get that out of the way. And then secondly, Matilda Jocelyn Gage is so uh i i work uh for the francis willard house museum and matilda justin gage was basically francis willard's like arch nemesis so um yeah so i was like that's one reason i was so excited she wrote this book about like 
the church and the state and like how she was extraordinarily kind of like she she thought church um the, like sort of um I don't know, organized religion was very dangerous. She fought for American Indian rights, like really hard, um, which is partially her like South Dakota connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, she worked with really closely with Elizabeth Kitty Stanton and Susan B. Anthony, although we should not hold that against her. And um, she called Frances Willard the most dangerous person in America, Dang. which uh, I know was well, because she was such a good speaker and she was so like pro she um, she was the head of the women's christian temperance union right so and since matilda jocelyn gage is against organized religion she's mm-hmm. like oh no this woman is such a good speaker and she's going to convince all these people so um i'm really really excited about this book uh i want it to get more attention um so again it's born criminal matilda jocelyn gage radical suffragist by angelica shirley carpenter Oh, and I wanted to give a real quick shout out. Um, with, this book's already come out, but they also showed me they have Sioux Women, Traditionally Sacred by Virginia Driving uh, uh, Hawk. Driving Hawk? Yeah, Virginia Driving Hawk Sneev or Snev. Not sure which one it is. But it's about, she talks about um, the author herself is, is Sioux and she interviews or, or discusses the history of a bunch of Sioux women. And um, it was uh, it was really a neat title that um, I thought was kind of unusual and, and interesting. Cool. I always like listening to you talk about the suffragettes and stuff because uh, it always sounds like you're friends with them uh, and like you are like <laughs> gossiping about your best friends. And I just, I just love that. It's so delightful to listen to. Uh, should just do a whole podcast about That's, that. <laughs> you should come to one of our staff meetings at the Willard House because we're like, oh, Mary Bannister, you know about her. And she's, uh, anyway, <laughs> doesn't matter. It's fine. All right. Changing tactic or changing uh, topics, I suppose. Uh, the next book that was on the editor's buzz list that's nonfiction uh, is There Will Be No Miracles Here by Casey Gerald, uh, which comes out October 2nd from Riverhead Books. And this book is a, a testament of a boy and a generation who came of age as the world came apart. Um, and so the book starts on New Year's Eve in 1999, and Casey and his family are gathered at his grandfather's evangelical church to prepare for the second coming of Christ, uh, which, as the new millennium began, did not actually come. Um, so it really uh, shook him to to his core that that a fundamental religious belief he had uh, in his family's church had didn't come true. Um, so he, Gerald, he grew up really poor. He had a mother who was kind of in and out of his life. And eventually he was recruited to play football at Yale. He interned at Lehman Brothers in 2008, um, kind of entered the world of the rich and powerful, but then also saw how that, that world can fall apart pretty spectacularly too. Um, and how some of that can be really terrible and damaging for people outside of that rich and powerful sector. So um, the book, one of the big questions it asks is, if to live as we are is destroying us, uh, what would it mean to truly live? Um, and he is, as I I think if I did my research correctly, he's a, a motivational speaker. He's done a lot of t- talks and things like that. And so this memoir is kind of an extension of that. Um, and I feel like it's already getting a lot of marketing buzz because I had seen it come up a couple of other places too. So I feel like in the fall, this is going to be one that's probably you'll hear about a lot. Uh, there Will Be No Miracles Here by Casey Gerald coming out in October. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, I think so. Do, do you know... Have you now? Have you been able to look at it yet, or were you just sort of like researching the the title? I did. I actually have a cop, review copy of it here. Um, it was funny because so part of their like marketing for this book is they sent just a, t- a not a ton, but many of these black and white postcards with quotes from the book on it. But it didn't say what the book was, and so I would get one of these in the mail 
like every day for a few weeks. And then the book finally came and I was like, oh, this is what this is about. Um, but I haven't, I haven't read much of it yet. Um, it's just sitting on my on my shelf, I guess. So I don't know if I can say much more about it than, than that. Well, I think it was just my only question. So I don't know if, if you would know then, depending on how far you are, but how much of it focuses on his time and his family's creepy church? I don't know that. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Because I would hope it would be a lot, but yeah. you know, All right, I'll, your turn. I'll take what I can get in that kind of regard. Um, let's see. Okay. Um, so I have three more that I'm just going to zip through because it's an odd number. Um, the first one, it actually, it seems really beautiful and well-written and I'm really excited. And it's called Interior States, essays by, um, I, I'm so sorry about your last name, ma'am. Um, Megan Ogieblin, Ogieblin. There's a lot of options here. It's O-G-I-E-B-L-Y-N. Um, it's by Anchor Books. Uh, it's coming out in October. She basically, so interior states, she's writing about living in the Midwest, which obviously um, I live in Chicago. I live in the Midwest. Uh, I've grown up here. Um, I feel like people don't, they talk about like either the Rust Belt or, you know, I feel like just in general, the Midwest in nonfiction doesn't get covered. Mm-hmm. So um, I was real real psyched about that. I started reading the essays and um, she grew up in an evangelical family. She went to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago um, and just talking about what the Midwest is like to her, like kind of in this like lower middle class um, to like lower class sort of upbringing and then like current existence. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading more of it. The uh, other one, uh, well, one of the other two is 8-Bit Apocalypse, The Untold Story of Atari's Missile Command by Alex Rubens. Um, this talks about, it kind of like sets the stage with like when Missile Command was created, the video game. And I got this whole talk from um, Overlook Press about it. And he was kind of like, you know Missile Command, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, right. I don't know Missile Command. Um, so, I mean, I've heard of it, but I didn't want to look foolish. <laughs> so no. I was like, absolutely. I'll just admit I it in a podcast that you have no idea what you're talking about. Even better. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, but I know it's an early video game. Anyway, he talks about it. The the uh, book is set during the Cold War, and it kind of you know, like gives you the context for why the game was created. You know, like Soviet Union and America and all this stuff. Um, I'm looking forward to reading it, despite not still knowing what Missile Command is, because um, I will Google that later. Um, and then the last book is How to Behave Badly in Elizabethan England. Um, If you are familiar with Ruth Goodman, you know that she also wrote uh, How to Be a Victorian and How to Be a Tutor. Um, I was unsure about this because it's called A Guide for Knaves, Fools, Harlots, Cuckolds, Drunkards, Liars, Hmm. uh, Thieves, and Braggarts. And I was like, oh, a guide. I don't know. (laughs) And um, I started flipping through it. And it's such a lovely way to... um, position a book sort of the chapter one is called offensive speech right so instead of being like saying like what you should do it's talking about like here's how you would be rude and um it's it's just real fun framing it in the negative like this so (laughs) there's also insolent rude rude and threatening gestures um and mockery and just like it's she writes in this really fun way and uh i'm excited to to delve more into that so again that's um how to behave badly in elizabethan england by ruth goodman uh and that's from uh, also from live right uh press oh that sounds great i think amanda nelson uh has talked about ruth goodman before like posts about her on instagram that her victorian books are very very good and very funny uh so yeah that's a, a good pick. I'm excited about that. Um, so the final uh, Editor's Buzz panel book that I'm going to mention is 
our, the final nonfiction one to talk about is uh, called Made, Hard Work, Low Pay, and a Mother's Will to Survive by Stephanie Land. And this one actually doesn't come out until January of 2019. So there's a, a wait, I suppose, for it. Not I suppose, there is a wait for it. Um, and it is a book about uh, Stephanie Land's years scraping by as a housekeeper to make ends meet while also going to college and um, being a single mother. Um, and so it's about kind of the things she saw in the the dark underbelly of the middle class. I put that in kind of air quotes because um, that's kind of a thing I think people say all the time and I'm not sure exactly what it means. But um, yeah, like the things she saw at people's houses and then what it took to be a maid and what it was like to try and do that. So it's a memoir just about that experience. Um, and I saw a couple mentions comparing it to nickel and dimed or like kind of in that same tradition, um, which I think is a, a big, uh, a big read alike to suggest, but if it's close to that, I think it'll be a very, um, kind of powerful read. So, um, yeah, I think that one sounds interesting, but out 2019, January, 2019, before we'll get our hands on that one. And it's called made hard work, low pay and a mother's will to survive by Stephanie land. Uh can I say Maid was on, so, you know, you can kind of, they let you know what some of the galleys are, right, before you you go on the floor. And mm -hmm. Maid was one of the ones that they announced. And it was on my list, but it was being released at, because, okay, so for people who don't know, um, the different booths, they basically will give you times that they're getting rid of galleys because they will go, some of them will go very quickly. So you want to, like, make sure you're at a booth at a certain time. So this one was being released at 9 a.m. on mm. Thursday. And I... Did not even leave the apartment, I don't think, by 9 a.m. So okay, I was really? like, you know, yeah. When it was like, I think I woke up at like 7.30 and I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. But <laughs> I was very interested in it before I realized it was a 9 a.m. get or before I woke up that morning and was like, I don't want to move faster. Anyway, it sounds really good is, yeah. is my main point there. Yeah. So yeah, before we wrap up the Book Expo segment, I just wanted to ask, like, was there anything that kind of struck you about Book Expo, like kind of generally or trends or anything that related to nonfiction that you saw maybe a lot of or any final thoughts on your, your trip? Gosh, that's a, that's a, a good sudden question. Uh, Sorry. let me see. No, I'm just like, I'm literally looking at the books that are splayed out across my bed where I'm recording this. Um, I don't think so. There's a lot of um, political stuff. Yeah. Which I know that it, that on, on one on one hand, I think that's probably normal. On the other hand, um, I don't think I saw as much of it in previous years. So um, I, I think there was a lot of um, narratives by people of color. So that was uh, pretty awesome to see. Uh, like, I just kept passing by booths and I was like, oh, oh. And I was <laughs> yeah. like picking these up. Um there were uh, obviously the, the Carol Anderson one was was really the one I wanted to highlight. Um, there was also one that uh, is in my sort of like I got a lot of nonfiction that I wasn't able to mention, but one is No Ashes in the Fire: Coming of Age, Black and Free in America by Darnell Elmore, which might be already out because it looks I like they were giving out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I have that. Um, but there was just a lot like that, so that was neat. Um, other than that, you know, I, I pretty much people kept. Uh, <laughs> People would be holding a book for like, you know, like galley giveaway. And I'd be like, oh, is that uh, is that nonfiction? And they, <laughs> they'd be like, yes, <laughs> like, great. I will I will take that. Um, so I think that there was a fair amount of nonfiction put out by popular press, uh, presses, cool. which uh, was also really exciting. So, yeah, that's about it. Excellent. Awesome. Well, that was fun. I hope next year I will get to go and then we can talk even more about Books Expo and different books and that. Um, so we will wrap up this week's podcast as we usually do with talking about what books we are reading uh, right now. So um, I'm going to let you go first. 
Sure. So um, this is another book that I actually picked up at Book Expo. It is coming out in July, um, and I'm, but I'm looking at it right now because it's really readable and fun. Um, it's called City of Devils, The Two Men Who Ruled the Underworld of Old Shanghai by Paul French. Um, he is the New York Times bestselling author of Midnight in Peking. So I started this and I was like, oh, it's about like white dudes. In, in Shanghai. Um, and I wasn't sure I wanted to keep it, but then I read mm-hmm. a little bit more and I was like, oh crap. Um, you know, this is actually, I don't know anything about Shanghai between the world wars. And it's like this fascinating, did you see, uh, the force awakens, uh, the star Wars film? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, the character, the voice by Lupita Nyong'o who like is in that kind of like neutral ish, um, yeah. underworld kind of like that's, I, when I was reading this book, I was like, this kind of feels like, I'm like, Shay, it kind of feels like that character's like area. Um, it's like, he talks about how like people, you didn't, if you like didn't have any identification cards and like you were trying to restart your life, you'd go to Shanghai and how it was this like neutral zone basically of just like gambling and like, you know, like, I don't know, just a lot of vice things. Um, and he, ta- he focuses on these two uh, white dudes um, who were just really powerful at the time and kind of their downfall as um, the Japanese invaded uh, for like right the uh, beginning of world war two. So it's just covering this between the worst time. And I was like, yeah, I feel like a lot of books are not talking. I mean, at the very least it's talking about, you know, um, the Eastern hemisphere. Yeah. And I I feel like so many things uh, in English do not focus on that area. So even though again, it's centered around two white men um, it's, it's still like, at least in another country and does talk about the people um, like who were living in Shanghai, who were, you know, like Chinese and then the Japanese people and like all these like far uh, East sort of Southeast Asian and East Asian um, uh, residents. So it's, I'm really enjoying it thus far. Cool. Good pick. Um, So I am reading a book right now called uh, The Truth About Animals, Stoned Stoned Sloths, Lovelorn Hippos, and Other Tales from the Wild Side of Life by Lucy Cook. Uh, And I'll be totally honest, I picked up this book because that subtitle is amazing. uh, And it made me laugh (laughs) the first time I saw it. And I was like, I'm going to read that book. Uh, And it was an excellent uh, way to get into the book because this book is just completely delightful. Um, Every chapter is a chapter about an animal and kind of the things we know about that animal, the like rumors that people have had about sort of the historical um, kind of conception of that animal and all the weird things that people back in the day before science didn't know and like the weird theories that they had about why that animal was the way it was and all the crazy experiments that people have done to try and like understand these animals better and some of the ways that um, those animals are surviving today. Um, And it is so interesting and and just super funny she has a really really funny sense of humor and just like weird stories so the first chapter is about eels um and about how like people thought that eels like didn't reproduce or didn't they couldn't figure out how eagles how eels reproduce because they couldn't find eel sex organs anywhere uh and so it's about all these like crazy things that people tried to to understand eels and what we kind of know about them now and the way that they migrate and stuff like that and how fishing and their popularity as a a dish uh, a food source um is threatening their species and stuff um the second chapter is about beavers and um the it's just it's hard to describe it's just very funny and and just an interesting like kind of peek at the animal kingdom um that is making me laugh every time i pick it up so i appreciate that um the title is called the truth about animals stoned sloths lovelorn hippos and other tales from the wild side of life by lucy cook 
I feel like one of the the sort of moments of growing up is when you learn that hippos are actually really terrifying. Yeah. Um, you know, at first they're like, did you know a hippo can like chomp a boat in half? And then it's like, did you know a hippo can chase you down on land? <laughs> like all this stuff where you're just like, oh, I thought they were really cute, but okay. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, oh, so one of our last notes, uh, Book Riot has a new, new-ish now giveaway um, that started Monday, May 21st for a $500 gift card to the bookstore of your choice. Um, it ends June 21st, and this episode comes out like the 11th, I think. So oh, you still yeah. have the 12th. You have nine days um, in order <laughs> to enter this. And to do so, go to bookriot.com slash bookstore 500. That's the number 500. So again, bookriot.com slash bookstore 500 for a chance to win a $500 gift card to the bookstore of your choice. Uh, and to wrap up, moving on from there in a smooth segue, um, you can find us, if you have any questions, comments, things you want to add, uh, you can find us on social media, on Twitter. I am at It's Alice Time. You can find Kim at Kim the Dork. Yes. And so uh, if you have enjoyed this podcast, we would encourage you to rate and review it on iTunes so that people can help find us more easily and make sure to subscribe in the podcast catcher of your choice so that you can get the new episodes the minute they come out. Uh, And with that, I am Kim Ukra. And I'm Alice Burton. And thank you for listening to the For Real Podcast. Podcast.